covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. And welcoming in fans of the 50-yard fight, this is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman alongside, of course, my co-host Jim Bernier, who I'll be bringing in along with a special guest in just a moment. Just wanted to get in. We are entering into episode 95. It is our new rebound episode i see jim tried to sneak in okay oh jim come on that's okay step into the show i see you over there it's it's nao rebound week two this week recapping all things from the past weekend in the national arena league plenty of exciting games two coming out of the wire one winning by a deuce we'll talk about that in a moment but we got to bring on our other special guest he is a two-time national arena league championship head coach and beloved among many in the nal scene it is coach former head coach tom Anas. it's so weird to still say that coach i still go with that how are you doing my friend good to see you how are um, things I'm doing great, guys. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I guess this is what happens once you get let go. You go into the broadcast booth for a little bit. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it. Really? You, you know, it's kind of like that's funny how the trend works. Former coaches, former players, just got to bring them back on. Now now you're doing the analysis part. This will be this will be fascinating. We did a lot of quick talk in the pre-show, so I'm glad we get to put this on to the, on the live setup for this. But glad to have you aboard. Uh, as we're going to get the breakdown, I, I would say, and not even going to sugarcoat it, three exciting games, one that I think many people will will have to hold back and say, okay, that's your normal capital region football. And yeah, he's got two thumbs up, of course. He's feeling great. Coach Ware had a hell of a banner day for his first win as well. Great to see it. Um, we'll save that for middle part here, but let's get into week two observations before we jump into the games. Um Kind of some things we noticed. A few trends in the NAL, I think. First off, I'll I'll lead things off. Um, kicking, you know, we've been, it's been a kind of a talk because of the nets. Um, you know, some kickers can't always get to the back of the net, but it did impact a few more games this week in terms of getting some bar balls. We got a few more rebounds there. Guys trying to get used to kind of getting the ball. Most of them have been getting them off the turf. I've seen a lot more of that than catching it off the nets, which has been surprising. Um, Coach, I actually like to lead in. What do you, what do you think of that? kind of these uh, strategies here obviously the bar balls you can't predict that that's that's unpredictable well, so it's hard but you know catching off the turf i find interesting that our players are making that the choice rather than getting it all in midair yeah i i don't know if it's by choice or by necessity um remember that ball is an oblong shaped True. thing with two pointy ends right and it it does not bounce fairly um uh, but i think you know we talked about this uh, earlier when I think we did our preview show for Albany. And I said that I was really looking forward to seeing the first week, how the nets impacted the game. And I don't think they impacted them as greatly as they did in the second week when everyone started figuring out, Hey, we can use these things. Mm -hmm. um, especially West Texas had great success using the nets on their kickoffs. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to, now that people realize that yes, that ball can get to the net. Uh, I saw a lot of chatter, people saying, oh, these balls suck and they're terrible and all this and that. It ain't the balls. You might need a new kicker, okay, because those balls are just fine. And I think Mark up in Albany showed that, that that's fine. And TC to win a game mm -hmm. showed that that ball is just fine. Um, I don't know why guys were kicking shallow unless that was a strategy. Um maybe thinking that, Hey, we'll kick down, you know, we'll kick short and cover. 
I want to say I almost saw a coach advise his kicker to hit the scoreboard. So well, the ball would go on the 10. Yeah. but it's Automatic 10. I mean, it's pretty, pretty it's nice smart. spot for a defense, it's, too. It's not, it's not dumb. And that's your boy, too, there, Jim, I think. Now, I'm not saying he did it, but he was talking to him right before it happened, and he was kind of pointing that way. And the next thing I know, he kicked it at the score. Uh, if he did it, it was genius because you think about it. You take it out of their hand. There's no chance of a return. They get the ball in the 10, no blood, no foul. You don't lose any points from it. Yeah. So. In that specific instance, you know, clear getting Cleaver shot any chance to return. That's just that's kind of possibly a weapon for dis, for disaster. So you might as well hit the scoreboard if you uh, get a I chance. Mean, if, but, he, if he planned it, that was smart because mm -hmm. I'll tell you at that time that was that was a good move. So yeah, yeah, and that's been a, that's been a thing. Even if it hasn't been intentional, you know, I think getting some kick angles if you want to get it back to the back into the end zone or at least trying to hit the net. Say you want to get an awkward kind of bounce. You know, I think that's something that. Got, teams are going to have to figure out with these arenas as they move forward. Next next game in the Freeman Coliseum I want to see because that was endlessly hitting the scoreboard, and I don't think Drew Pearson wants to try and do a curveball every time he's trying to go around it so that right. he can get it back there. Because he can right. get it back there, clearly. It's just that... No, he's got it. a good leg. He's got a good leg. He's got a strong leg, but it, it seemed like he was struggling to get the ball to the net you know, mm -hmm. this week, and that's uncharacteristic of him. Um, I know when we prepared for him, we always expected a strong leg. And, and when we when we competed against him, the, the interesting thing is, and check me if I'm wrong on this, but there were no onside kicks this week. No, no. There were so not. Are, are we taking the onside kick game away because now that you have an opportunity of kicking it off the net, making it a longer onside kick with greater field possession? And if you don't get the ball, you're not giving them the ball in the red zone. Uh, on your own end. So I think that strategies is the kicking games develop um, and continue to get better. And there's some really good special team coaches. I know Orlando has a, an exceptional special teams coach. And I think that as things start to go further and further, you're going to see more strategies with those nets come into play. I was going to say, especially with all three games being so close this weekend, I was expecting or the two games down south, not the one up in Albany. Uh, those two games that have a lot more onside kicks during the one-minute rule, but they they never did. You usually went five years like last year. You saw you you did it a lot up in Albany as a coach last yeah. year. You did a yeah. lot of onside kicks. And yeah, I was surprised. Like when Jacksonville scored the the tie, it I'm like it'd be a good point. Jacksonville do an onside kick here, so and then San Antonio get the ball score first, so they can eat up the remaining the clock and get yeah. some kicks it deep. I'm like. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's an interesting strategy. Well, see, that was that was a point that we'll talk about later. But I was, uh, there were some questionable time management parts in these games this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, use of timeouts, use of scoring early, scoring late, um, just the normal things that come through a game, you know. And I get it. I mean, you know, if the pretty girl's right in front of you now, kiss her. Well, you got a chance. I get that, right? But if you're getting into situations where you know you're good enough to score. Take your time, moving the ball into position. Don't leave any time on the clock. Don't give anyone an opportunity to have that back. So that that was my my probably coach's takeaway was towards the end of some of these games that were close. They I think that time management really was a factor. Mm -hmm. Well, my my week two observations uh, for the league is West Texas. 
hell of a rebound from last week. That was an entertaining game. That was I was it, impressed. It was, I'll, I'll tell you what, West Texas from week one to week two got better. Yeah. They got better. Now, mm-hmm. part of that is, and I can attest to this in 2021, you know, the first game you're walking out there and you're thinking, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what we get. Did we prepare enough? Did we get everything done? Now take it a step further. And West Texas had never lost a football game uh, in their team's history. Now, regardless of what league they were in, okay, um, they had never lost a game. And now they're coming up and they're having to compete new rules, you know, new everything, mm-hmm. new competition, competition much greater. Mm-hmm. And they kind of look like it the first week. In the second week, um, they pinned their ears back and came to play. And um, I'll tell you what, it, it's a tough way to lose a game. And that's, again, why you have great kickers, you know, right. guys like PC. So I'd say that's a perfect segue into kind of diving into a bit more of that contest right now. As again, as you, you can see on the screen, and something that I think people were, it, it blew, the best ending of the weekend to me was definitely over in Greensboro. And the deuce kick was perfect by TC Stevens just clears the bar, but you know, not just that we had back and forth competition. West Texas came in. I think a lot of people after, as you you guys were talking and as we were saying, they improved a lot this week and they showed that, you know, they do deserve to be here against a team that did go toe to toe with the gunslingers the week prior. One of the teams that we, that me and Jim, at least, and coach, I'd love to hear your opinion on this Think are one of the top two that could be ending up in August playing in the championship game. So, yeah. But I, I West Texas uh, came out and, you know, again, away game. Uh, they traveled quite a distance to, to the game and they performed really well. Um, they just need to clean up some things. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you, the, the one thing that's become really evident is I, I think Jacksonville's got a great offensive line. I yeah. think Albany's got the best offensive line, but I think they have great offensive lines and what's coming more apparent is some of these newer teams um, their lines just can't compete with some of these AFL NAL behemoths that have been doing this for a minute right and I think once they get adjustments to that and get their line play and get their quarterbacks protected a little bit better and you know get comfortable around runs there's a great example there of another score by West Texas um, I think they had two touchdowns off the nets on kickoffs, which is fantastic. Um, they're a quick team. Um, there again, you know, like I said, they're, they're a few steps away. Um, I, I don't see them making the playoffs this year. Um, I see Carolina being the fourth seed mm-hmm. this year. And, um, I think that, uh, Carolina left about 18 points on the field in that game that they could have had. So, um, again, it's just one of those things they're going to get better. And so is everybody else. Yeah. The cleaning up the mistakes the, the special team scores, you'll have, you'll definitely, I would think coach Fuller and company will be addressing over the week. Cause that's, it's a little bit more, I guess, getting it re- not only reactionary, but also just having it more where your, your back lines are set up to where you can be more adjustable for like a bar ball. That's hard to predict, of course, but you know, having those type instances, it's, you know, well, you got to account for it. The other thing is, I, I think Albany, um, if I'm not mistaken, is probably the only team that's consistently practiced with the nets up every day. Hmm. 
So you're going to get that kind of practice every day. When I talked to Coach Fuller, I don't think they had been in their arena to use the nets at all until the game. Um, so that takes a, an adjustment period, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you've got it. You've got to play off those. And and some of these nets are different too. Yes, you know? they are. So you look at them and you look at Albany's and their steel construction nets. And these other ones are aluminum and they're a little bit lighter. And so I'm sure the tension and all that's a little bit different, even though they try to keep it as close as possible. If if you're if you're here's a question I think that I find fascinating because there's two there, there are two styles of nets like you've talked you got the newer sets they're more like the cross intertwines that they use kind of in the twenty starting in the twenty tens or late two thousands in arena and then you right. got like older squares they're just like you're talking the tubes uh, like say in Carolina has which one would you rather both are random but which one would you rather be be wanting to have the ball rebound off of if it hits the bar oh hundred percent I want the steel ones okay uh the the girth on them and and the mass of them uh gives you more of an opportunity to hit um when back in the day in when tampa bay and 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 in their heyday we had kickers that you could sit there and say okay he's gonna kick the left bar and could do it consistently scary but consistently and we scored 17 points in like 20 seconds in a game to win it, mm-hmm. we were down by 14. So, I mean, there's there's all kinds of great things that can come off those nets. And you saw a couple passes come off the nets this week too. Yes, we did. Where, One of those games we'll touch on. I I was gonna I have that noted down later yeah. on. We talk in Jacksonville because I was like, yes, that's another arena moment. Love seeing the nets back because of stuff like that. And Not to the fans, they're going to get used to it. You know, it's we, we you know this the NAL has been around actively playing since what 2017 um so they never had them before this is the first year of them just like last year was the first year iron man and as as the game develops and and people get used to having the nets they're going to see what a great part of the game it is because it's going to allow for teams to never be out of the game you know if you're if you're close you got a chance with those nets you know Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. Uh, Jim, I want to highlight this to you because some key players for this one. Um, and I think I, I really want to highlight this for West Texas because, like, we were talking with San Antonio last year, how we're looking for key guys that are coming in mm-hmm. from the previous years prior. Um, I'll say this for without a doubt. Uh, LeGrant Pegram is becoming more and more of their go-to star as well. As long as Jalen Childress. Childress, you could say, and you saw that pick six he had, that's up for, to me, as an Ironman candidate for their Ironman of the Week award. But, I mean, Pegram alone, you know, he was one of the – continuing to be the dominant force on the offensive side of the ball for West Texas. And Smith is getting a lot more comfortable, I think, with those two receivers, very much so after this week. I know this is coaches speak because uh, I'm an officer, but the the tale is like you your best improvement as an organization is between week one and week two uh, as a team. And Daniel Smith played – actually, he, played, he wasn't really the reason why they lost this game until – at the very end where it became a pressure situation. But my, my opinion, um, Childress is a dog. Like he picked six, two touchdowns and guy was everywhere. Uh, and also another guy on the other side of the field that I think it had his coming out party as maybe the receiver now is Adam Smith. Homeboy had four mm-hmm. touchdowns. He was the go-to guy for McCollum and Lee Henry the, uh, this weekend uh, before West Texas. Yeah, that you can see this past weekend at halftime, 
you look at the score and go, hello, West Texas, you arrived. Uh, we said last in the last episode that they're going to go through the San Antonio growth Spain, the growing pains in the first year. Um, but they made a tremendous improvement from week one to week two. And I could tell you right now, they're not the last place team in my power ranking. They, they showed me that they're not, no, even though not, they're 0-2. They <laughs> um, there were moments in that game. I'm like that. This is arena football. It was back but and forth you, and it was crazy. If you watch, it. if you're just watching these highlights, you'll see one overwhelming consistent thing. There's very little pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Texas is not putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. He's having a lot of time to sit back in the pocket, put, which puts a lot of pressure on your defensive backs, right? They got to maintain coverage longer. And then you, you flip the page and you're seeing all this pressure coming in on West Texas from Carolina. So, I mean, th- that's where I get back to, if you want to build a championship team, you got to start inside. You have to. Right. And, and, um, you know, you can have all the great receivers and the best quarterback in the world, but if he's on his back, it doesn't really matter. Um, and so, yeah, and I think that's that's where Carolina can build on, continue to build on, is their good line play. And I think that's where West Texas, if they can improve a little bit on theirs, uh, either with scheme or getting some b- better players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just that can, you know, can handle that. But, you, you know, it's a constant surge. When you're moving the line of scrimmage like that on every snap, that, that's a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So, One yeah. thing I did notice about West Texas, sorry, Zach, um, yeah. compared to week one, Daniel Smith was getting the ball away a lot faster than he was in week one. Week one, he was sitting back in the pocket and getting flustered and getting you know, back towards the offensive line. It's usually not a good position as a quarterback. This game, it was out of his hands quick. And right. their offense was moving down the field pretty well throughout the game. But in those tight situations this week against Carolina, where it was third and long, fourth and long, you saw the Daniel Smith that we saw last week couldn't, you know, couldn't find the momentum, couldn't get that quick pass because Carolina knew what he was doing and they moved up their DBs. And it's like, you got to beat us deep. And West right. Texas has time this past uh, Sunday couldn't do that. But what I noticed is how you, you said how they improved. They found what they're good at now, and I think they're going to be a team that's going to be you that have to use that quick game to that's move exactly, down the field. I would say that would be if I was if I tomorrow was coaching West Texas, I'd say okay, we're going to embrace what we do, and we're going to be the fastest, quickest team, and we're going to scheme around that, you know, uh, as opposed to try to be a, a blunt force team, right? That's mm-hmm. just going to work its way down the field. Um, and I think that that's a big part of it. And you're right, that quick game, those quick outs, the hitches, um, you know, a lot of the wall routes, um, you can make a living on those in this league. And um, it's just a matter of keeping the OCs patient, you know, just be okay with first downs, all right? Mm-hmm. Not every play has to be a touchdown. Be okay with first downs. And and I think that's a big part of it. Right. I'm with you with the hitch routes. I like in arena, I think a lot of success comes. You don't always have to have the deep passes. We, you know, like we talked last year, Malik Henry, I think finally learned you don't just have to chuck it up. And it's been, you saw in this game when he had the whole second half to himself, he started, he's learned a lot since he's yeah. come a long way. And it's just giving your receivers a chance to make plays on their own yards after the catch, let them make the misses, let that, the guys slip up on the turf, get those chains moved, you know? Like those those fundamentals, you know, you can focus on that. You can take those shots too downfield in this game all the time if you want, but you're probably going to be more efficient if you sprinkle them in 
somewhat like you know, kind of like the outdoor side. You don't always want to pitch up one down the field because then you're going to have defenses prepared for that. You're going to expect guys just to be going back to chuck one down for 20, 40 yards on the, on the turf. I think you're absolutely right. I, th- I talked to a couple coaches last week, and one of the things I said is you get first downs or touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about getting first downs. And, and if you can continually move the ball, you're doing two things. One, you're moving the ball towards the direction of a touchdown. But two is you're also using that clock up. And you're the longer you have the ball, is less time they get the ball. Okay? So if you try to go – I pity the team that tries to go tit for tat with Albany. You'll get your mm-hmm. ass beat by 100. Okay? But if you're going to play in Albany and you slow the game down enough, you might have a chance. Okay, and it's the same way that we sometimes uh, coach Warren and I used to do this all the time. I'd be screaming in the headset, run the ball, run the ball. Look at the clock. You got three and a half. And I was like, you know, he throw one of his bombs down the field. Of course, Prince would catch it. Touchdown. Everybody's happy. Right. Well, now they got safety valve. Right. (laughs) But it's hard to complain when you're putting points on the board. Yeah. But there there is a method to it. I think that that. I, I don't know if all coaches really grasp yet is that it, it, it doesn't have to be 65 to 64 and 63 to 62. It can be 45 to 30. It can mm. be those games where you, you know, if you're truly wanting to get the win and not worrying about the scoreboard, just have, you know, control the clock, make sure your time management's right. You work in your personnel, not, over taxing, uh, you know, one group going in before the other group, that kind of thing. Like we'd like to make changes at around seven and a half minutes would be our first change in a quarter. And then we'd swap them out and then have that second group come in. And if need be, have them go the rest of the quarter if they could, and they were doing well, if not get them out at around three and a half, put the first team back in, they got their breather. And then you yep. get the break in between quarters. So there was always ways of doing it, but I don't think that a lot of people totally grasp the fact that you can't go tit for tat with some of these teams. Like I, if I'm going against Carolina, uh, I'm, you know, Carolina's a good football team has the ability to score every time they have the ball. Jacksonville has the ability to score every time they have the ball. Right. Um, oh, San Antonio, same thing. Right. So how do you beat them? And that was, we'll talk about it, but that's how Jacksonville and San Antonio went. They were going bing, 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 bing. And all of a sudden, you got to start looking at the clock. <laughs> you have to be. It's, it comes down to who has the ball last, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about defensive stops and it's about those other things too. And I think, I, I think San, I think West Texas, excuse me, I think West Texas is going to be fine, but I think they need to embrace the quick game defensively and offensively. And, and do that because I just don't see them competing with the Jacksonville's, the Albany's, the, the bigger, uh, tougher lines. That, right. And Carolina had a great line. That I thought their offensive line played great um, for the most part, mm-hmm. too. So it, it's, it's the same statement I made last week on the show that I got a lot of blowback by. Well, I said it was Jacksonville, West Texas was like Alabama versus Chattanooga. Yeah, West Texas is going to be in the game for a while, but they just didn't have enough talent or beef to right. go head to head with Jackson for all four quarters. Correct, correct, and 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 that's the truth. I mean, if West Texas, as good as 
they improved this week. If they were playing Albany next week, they'd get beat by 70. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. Okay. And barring injury and barring this and barring that, and, and there's nothing you're going to do about it until you change the way you approach playing these guys that have done it at the level they've done it at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good efforts at least. I will say, like I said, made for great action no, ma- no matter what. That's oh, what no. I right. always I always will pre- appreciate a good game, and it, it's good for you know at least the league league's future, at least for West Texas's. That's a great to build that up that way. So, but what a heartbreaker, right? I mean, true. I mean, well, losing by losing by a deuce and then have getting sacked to kind of kill time. It's a rough way to go out after sure. the effort you put up all that. Well, all yeah, after, you, all you put, that's the whole point, though. You put in fifty nine and a half minutes of effort. Right, and that in that last thirty seconds kills you every time. West Texas <laughs> felt what Jacksonville felt last year in the playoff game with a, a Marco. Like 100%. we got there, Deuce. Man, are you kidding me? That but, was but, that was the main. You now go back to twenty one, and Jacksonville did it to Albany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Right, and it was on the deuces. Right. So w- what I'm saying is, is that. There's certain things you can, you know, you can prepare for. I mean, if you were going to seriously, aside from Mark, you know, I favor him, but who else do you want besides TC Stevens kicking that ball? Right. At that, at that time, you know, that's the guy I want. Mm-hmm. Hell, I, I still want him. If I ever end up someplace, I'm coming for you, TC. But, but I think he's, I, I think he's, you know, he was built for that. That moment was built for him and they were prepared to do, what they needed to do. So and another kicker who no longer plays in this league, he plays in another league was Patterson. He was Peter, money. Peterson. From deuces. He, you mean Peterson. Peterson. Excuse me. Yeah. Peterson. He, he was money from deuces. Like that's the only thing he was doing. Right. Uh, he, he, Cause I remember in Jacksonville, he just, it was him. And I think Blanchard for the sharks, they're going back and forth in the deuces. Right. It was crew. Of course we had weird wall balls in that game. Yeah. That was a, yeah. a traditional 14 point swing in Jacksonville's favor, which was still odd. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I got still savor that. That's the only win Jackson has over Albany. <laughs> but, he snuck that one in the pretty clean. Just had to. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, what I've, basically what I've seen this week, this weekend, um, uh, may not happen this year either. So, but yeah, uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to well, see. But let's. I was going to say one thing. I was going to say one thing about TC Stevens. I've always said last year, him and Marco were weapons. And yeah. Coach Rez and you used your kickers, just not as kickers, but as weapons. And I want to see every coach in this league use their kicker as a weapon, not use them as a safe haven, like play conservative. That's the reason why the deuce is in this sport. It's to make your kicker a weapon. And you and Coach Rez last year executed that with perfection. Yeah, I think, you know, if I were to give any advice, um, not that it's asked for, but just give it anyway. Mm-hmm. Is that when when I found Mark, Mark was the all-time leading scorer at Grambling. Okay. If you can do that, you can kick an arena football. Okay. Right. Um, and his accuracy was everything we thought it would be when we brought him in, and everything we thought about him as a character person was as well. These coaches that find these kickers. I sometimes question, like, that's such a valuable part. That can be worth two touchdowns a game point-wise. You can get Mm -hmm. 14 points out of a kicker in a game. 
you know, as much as we scored in Albany, think about it. If we put up 60 points, Mark's going to have another seven just on extra points, right? And then if we do that and he kicks a couple deuces by the time we're done, you know, the kid can walk out of there with 12, 11 points every game. And so don't get a kicker because he lives close to the stadium. Yeah. Go buy a kicker. Go get a kicker. Recruit a kicker as like you would recruit a quarterback, a wide receiver, you know, mm-hmm. the same thing. They're they're yeah. just as valuable. And that'll be, I think, the next frontier moving. Maybe even later in the season. I, I dare. I was about to say second next year, but knowing the NAL and knowing how transactions are, it could be. It could be later in the year too. I mean, you, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Game. Yeah, when all the rosters change. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, if you're a playoff team and you need someone like, uh, for example, um, and I'm not saying this is no slight to Eric Amaya, but great extra point kicker. It's just that. I know that's one thing that Fayetteville won't have as a weapon is they he cannot get back there to hit a deuce right now. At least I don't think he can based on what I saw in Orlando. And Orlando's got enough ceiling room for you to clear a kick. Oh, yeah. So yeah. at least he's making extra points. Well, true. That's right. very true. Right. I mean, I, I'd be asking how I'd be asking where where Jackson will be if they would have hit at least one extra one, maybe. You want to talk time. about that game? <laughs> Let's talk about. I, I want to say I want to save that little extra. Oh, you're doing it anyway. Okay. Yes. Because I wanted to I wanted to go into that beat down over over down in the capital region. But okay, we'll go down to Shark Tank and talk about you know the overtime slugfest between these two two squads. You know, former Shark coming into the tank and Arvell Nelson leading his Gunslingers in against Jason Gibson's led Jacksonville Sharks and Connor Blount, who had a banner day himself, second arena game he's been in. And I would say perform admirably well. One thing I loved about the Sharks, first off, you noticed, diversified the portfolio of receivers. I like if a team gets each one of them getting like 60, 70 yards per, because then you have a hard time defenses reading that. The Sharks did a great job kind of putting things together in terms of finding different targets. George, George Smith, Cameron Solomon, of course. Um, you know, I think that was an excellent job that they did. But meanwhile, the Gunslingers, one thing that kept them in this game, two crucial defensive possessions in the third quarter in terms of a four and out and a fumble recovery for a touchdown that swung the game's possession battle back into their favor to force overtime to where we even had to talk about Daniel Justino missing one specific extra point kick in that contest. Uh, Jim, I'll let you lead off since I let Coach do that last time. Uh, initial thoughts on this contest. I mean, Banner one for the NAL in terms of just slugfest and want being just top dogs mm-hmm. going at each other. Um, but, it, you know, the good games, it always comes down to the little things and what could have been at the very end. Uh, this the, the two things that stand up for me in this game is uh, Connor grew up more. He's he played a hell of a game this past weekend. Uh, he was making good decisions. He was getting out of the pocket, running pretty well for a quarterback. He's not Castronova type of fast, but he was getting on his feet and getting out there. Um, and all, also, Arvell was, again, over 300 yards passing. He had six total touchdowns, but three interceptions that kept Jacksonville in that game. If you didn't, There were some interceptions that he threw in that game, and I'm like, you're, you're, you're reading the wrong guy. Like He well, threw he, a slant he, he route right more. Yeah, I think during the day before, there were a few of them that got just dropped yeah. flat out. The 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 possession before the uh before they they were going we were up by fourteen and they were going the score to get down with seven. He threw a slant route to Kyle uh, to Rashad that almost got picked off by McLean. If McLean would have picked that off, 
He had six years. Uh, he was six. There was no one by him. That would have completely ended the game. Jackson would have been up by 20, 21 points at that time. But again, that didn't happen. Arvell executed. But another guy that, again, we can't talk about San Antonio without Cali Rashad. The, the man had 147 no. yards receiving, uh, uh, three touchdowns, and homeboy was catching footballs off the wall, off the net. It looked, it, it, you can tell that the team is starting to find. Uh, players and uh, San Antonio are starting to learn the, the game of arena football, playing the ball off the net, playing the ball off the wall. They're not just like, oh, hit the wall, incomplete. No, they're actually diving for it, which is gaining the experience of what the game is. Uh, all, another guy that really stood out to me was, uh, again, McLean. Three rushing touchdowns, two touching uh, passing touchdowns, and he had two interceptions. Um, I think he wins the Ironman of the week. Two picks, win five total t- touchdowns. Mm. That's a hell of a performance. He's a good candidate for it. Um, Very good candidate. But also another shout out is to the the fan base in Jacksonville. Uh, again, they lived up to the uh, lived up to the reputation of putting seven thousand fans in this arena. Great showing, great showing around throughout the whole league this weekend, which is pretty good. Um, but again, it was a great atmosphere. I was there with a couple of my friends, especially a couple of our fellow uh, NAL friends. Uh, it was great. Uh, banter with Coach Shaw a couple times. Uh, he knew who I was, so he <laughs> he, he smiled. Uh, but it was a good uh, a good showing. It was a good game, and it was a true arena football game. That was a game when walking out of the game, I'm like, you have that that feeling like, oh man, we man, we should have won this game, or we got that we that game got away from us. I left that game like, you know what, San Antonio and Jacksonville. Maybe one B and one C in the league with Albany B one A. Like I think Jacksonville, San Antonio are even. They both have strengths. Um, I think Jacksonville's defense is better. San Antonio has a better uh, receiving core, but I think it's just it, it, it gelled. It was such a good game, and again, this is the third straight San Antonio Jacksonville series game that has been nail biter to the end. And I'm, I'm starting to think there's something brewing between these two teams. Uh, which was pretty exciting. But, yeah, San Antonio showed out. Arvell, uh, when he needed to make a, a clutch throw, he was there. Uh, he made a beautiful pass in the third quarter to Barnett. And I'm like, oh, come on. You, that was a perfectly placed football between two guys. And it was a, a, really a determination that game how it flipped to her San Antonio's favor. But, yeah, well, Bar- uh, San Antonio won, talking, and it was good. But sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but you're talking Barnett as well. Like Rashad, 147. Philip Barnett, 104, just on his own right. I mean, they have a yeah. di- they have a true duo of of all NAL talent on that on that side of the ball alone. Um, it, it, plenty of good options. Arvell, like I like I was like I think I insinuated a little bit. You know, he's he's been getting I think up to speed, but two picks this game could have had more. Both of these contests he's had in the last two weeks, I would I would be a little cautionary because mm-hmm. they are able to when they're explosive, they're explosive. But there's been a lot of there's been some times where it's been a lot of luck streaks in terms of yeah. defenses not taking opportunities when needed, um, and that's something I think you got to keep an eye on. Arvell, we said last year, he's almost guaranteed. You're almost about guaranteed one interception a game with him. He's going to get you your scores, but he takes a lot of chances. Uh, sometimes it does lead. It's a gunslinger mentality. Funny, the pun intended, I guess. But we'll take it. We'll take that and run with that joke. Uh, Coach, I, I want to bring something up that I think you brought well in the pre-show that I think we want to discuss. And, you know, it seems like the beginning of the years with the NAL, we kind of deal with these kind of things. And then a lot of stuff was done in the offseason to address this, which was kind of the flow of the game, you know, kind of making it a true arena game, not just the scoring, but just keep things moving, getting the pace going. And this first quarter, you know, it ended the rest of this contest, second through fourth, 
fantastic like endless moving back and forth penalties weren't slowing things down or you know talks about technicalities and such but that first quarter you know if you're a fan you had to wait through a lot of stoppages and that's something that you know when you're on broadcast i kind of go oh come on guys we got to get this going you know i'm very much like that i want i want these things moving you know well and i think in the off season the commissioner um did everything in his power to try to you know, the ideal situation is have the games come in around two and a half, three hours tops. Mm -hmm. And I think this one was over four. Um, and to me, the thing about it was that I thought, and I didn't bring it up. Actually, my wife brought it up. We were watching the game and mm -hmm. she said, look at the crowd. And when there was like two minutes left to go in the game and the crowd had thinned out significantly because it just went too long. The game just to went home. too long, and it's, people had to go home, and kids needed to be put up, and the whole bit. But mm -hmm. it, it went a little long. We'll just say that. Now, they're doing everything in their power with only one-minute review on challenges, 13-minute half times, you know, all those little things. And, it, it, you know, Jack, so way to turn out Sharks fans. I mean, that's, you know, there's nothing greater that a coach and players want to do is be in that kind of audience right and have that around them when they're playing and doing their trade um so pr major props for them uh you brought up an interesting point that you know we had talked about this early in the off season and and coach gibson wasn't shy about saying this that he was going to build a, a defensive minded team this year mm -hmm. he said it well guess what you can't say that and let somebody score 60 points on you okay yeah. so uh, you either got to you either got to fix the defense or get a better offense going because your offensive line was pushing them around. Alexander had a few great plays, which he's always going to have. Um, he's he's a really dynamic edge rusher. He's going to get those. But your offensive line was pushing their big guys down in the red zone all the way to the back wall. Uh, you see Angus getting blocked all the way to the back wall uh, on the first score. I mean. Um, I think their their linemen are generally better. I don't think San Antonio's line is up to the level of their receivers and their quarterback and their specialist play. They're great guys. They're hungry and that they'll fight you, uh, which is what you want. But again, you got to know your audience. You know who are we playing? We're playing a really tough Jacksonville team. We got to have a strategy to go against those big linemen and how we're going to do it and not a lot of pressure on offense if you're San Antonio. Um, what do you say about Rashad except, you know, awesome. Yeah, that, you know, that's about as all you can do right there. But you can do that across the board. Barnett, you know, um, that was probably one of my biggest regrets that we couldn't come to terms in 2022 to bring Phil back to Albany, right? Uh, yeah. That, um, but that happens, you know, that's what happens when you, you win championships, guys test other waters. And, um, and so that to me though, their receiving core is legit. Their quarterback plays legit. Um, they just need to tweak some of the line play, I think, mm -hmm. and, and count on more than just Alexander. They got to shore up that middle. They got to do much better at the nose position. Um, they got to get someone in there that's going to anchor and, and be the guy and not jump off sides and get silly penalties. Um, and Jacksonville's going to consistently be good. They're going to, Coach Gibson is going to coach them up the right way. 
and they're going to be good. I think that's part of it. Again, my only critique is that little time management issue that I have with uh, how the game went down and possession and that type of thing. And I think it could have ended a little differently with a different strategy at the end, but armchair quarterbacking, you know, which is cool. I get sure. to do it now, but, um, and that's the thing though. I think it's just, uh, that could have been a factor in it, leaving time on the clock. Right. To give it a little more sense of urgent urgency would have been, been nice. You know, and again, you can, yeah. You know, OT, I mean, it came down to the wire. I, like I said, I think to me, when you look at like Jacksonville, you know, I think my, my questions of, well, why, why is this not, you're talking about a game that in mid third quarter was a two, was a two possession lead, you know, and in, in so in some rights, how I equate it three, because again, if you, you tie it up and you get the ball next, you should technically have the advantage going back down. And within a span of less than two minutes, you see a four and out touchdown convert fumbles on one play into the end zone. And then you're just like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, and you can't do that against a team like San Antonio, though. You have to no. play perfect football. And and here's the thing is, you know, I'm not trying to be overcritical to any one team sure. or another. The one thing I will say about San Antonio is, and I've said this for the last two years with you guys, when a team learns how to win, they refuse to lose. Okay. That's the mindset in Albany. San Antonio's figuring out that they can win now and they're never out of a game. So they're never putting themselves out of game. And I think coach Shaw and Jay rich down there, and those guys are instilling that in them that they're starting to get a winning game mentality. Like we're going to win this game. When they get off the plane, we're going to win this game. Not gee whiz. I hope we play good and this and that. And I think you see that more so with them where they came at this game like we're going to win this game and jacksonville was like we hope we win this game that's not a cut it's just what i noticed is that i think san antonio from a head standpoint right now i would have to put them at 1b or 2 1 albany 1 san antonio 2 jacksonville 3 carolina 4 would be my call today and that's like you said, though, Jimmy, Jacksonville and San Antonio, that can flip three times this year. You know, somebody goes on a bum streak, somebody gets a ding, someone rolls an ankle. Yeah. You, well, you lose three games in a row. You know, well, in, in the season prediction show I, I did, I have Jacksonville and San Antonio playing each other three times this year, like two times in the regular season and in the, in the playoffs. I yeah. think this, I think we're seeing the two versus three matchup right on the screen right now. I think that yeah. you're going to see these two teams play each other nail biters all throughout the year well I, I want them again now like this game just makes me want to go back i love games like this i love the close ga- arena games like this where you see in the powerhouses because i just want to go back to it right away you know give me a 60 60 game coming down where i have no idea what the conclusion is going to be because that's how arena but, is it should again, be chaotic look, at the finish. Okay, look at the clock right there right yeah look at, look at the board it's 56 62 and i built my team for defense mm-hmm. you got to explain that to me if you gave up 56 that means, you know, when you build a team for defense, that's two stops a quarter. Okay, right. that's what you want is two stops per quarter, and and that's that's all I'm saying is maybe that was just something he said. I don't know, or something that a coach would say, but no, you you can't give up sixty two points and say we were built our team on defense. 
um, you you have to get stops. And I'm sure that's what he's preaching to him today and, and talking to him about is that, look, we got to get stops. Stops are stops are wins. Stops mm-hmm. are points for us. And we preach that like anybody else is that. And I know Coach Gibson being a defensive guy and defensive minded guy in that sense. But 62 points. Mm-mm. Can't do it and call yourself a defensive team. Well, they'll get they'll have to adjust really quick because if Fayetteville is anything like they were against Orlando week one, which we, you know, we'll find out pretty soon. Orlando, we're finding out a lot as of this last game in week two. But if Fayetteville comes out swinging just like they did week one and surprised everyone in the NAL out of the gate, that's going to be probably you might be running into the same script in, in the Crown Coliseum for that home opener. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Fayetteville because I didn't prepare for them yet you know, in the sense that we didn't have film on them. They only played the one game. I was gone from Albany by the time I'd start looking at their stuff again. But, you know, the thing about it is, yeah, great. Now let's see what you can do against the big boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fayetteville's first test is this weekend, um, this Saturday, uh, Sunday at 3 o'clock against Jacksonville. So that's a, that's going to be a step up in competition, especially a Jacksonville team that went toe-to-toe with what you just said, in your opinion, the second-best team in the league. So, uh, no, I guess Jacksonville beating them by 30. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> okay. We might have to bring you back next Monday. Talk well, about and I, and no, I, think- I do, I, and that's not a cut against Fayetteville. It's mm-hmm. how I think Coach Gibson's going to prepare his team for this next win. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a cool- how important yeah. it is to come out and not be one and two. You'd be two and one. And he's been, you know, I think he's a great coach, and I think he's going to get him ready to play Fayetteville with a little chip on his shoulder about that stuff that we talked about. We have no doubt about that. Dudes, I mean, he's all about the fundamentals, all about executing as well. So that's definitely something he's going to want to be like, look, let's get back on, let's rebound this. (laughs) Again, no pun intended. Well, let's definitely get this. (laughs) (laughs) I I swear I am, I'm I'm pun happy today, and I usually am, but that's okay. That's okay. And like I said, I think, you know, Fayetteville, great to get a first win out of the gate. But I think uh, this will end with this final game on the docket. Your your former Albany Empire taking on Orlando. Um, the Empire way continues, but boy, there are a lot more questions about Orlando's uh, season ahead, I think, that came out of this one. And I think that's a bit more of the storyline to me because a lot of us going into this year, you know, got you constructing this roster, of course, and now your, your colleague, Dame, Damon Ware, leading this win of course i think a lot of us we have them as the top dogs we didn't have any doubts we were pretty confident they were gonna walk away with this but i didn't think they were gonna walk away like this almost well, a 40 I, point I, mean, swing. I, I i'd be honest with you i thought they were gonna score 100 i was a little disappointed um in that no i'm just kidding but it, it's <laughs> you know keep one thing in mind you know like coach gibson said he was building a team for defense like coach shaw said he was going to build a good offense this year you know this that whatever I built this team to win a three P this team was designed to win a three championships in a row. Um, 14 returning vets off the same team in 2022. Um, you know, the, the team is there. Uh, you would be hard pressed to find a weak spot. Um, you know, coach Ware's now putting his little, uh, spin on things and he's going to continue to do that. I talked to him today, uh, congratulated him. I, uh, you know, I love the guy. We're like brothers. Um, we've been together uh, through two years of wars together. So we've go- grown real close in the off seasons and everything. 
that team is not going to get beat this year. The only team that's going to beat that team this year is that team. And that might be, you know, not self-inflicted. It could be, you know, an injury. It could be, God forbid, something like that. Or it could be travel or it could be whatever. It could be something that gets in the way. But if if they continue on the path that they're on and what's been built there, they're not getting beat. They're going to go 14-0 and 0 and then go on. I mean, and I mean, we're running out of things to say about it. And obviously the 14 veterans being there, but, you know, some of the – some of the contributors, of course, being brought in to kind of buoy, buoy the rest. You know, it still is it's incredible core of guys. Um, and like I said, the usual faces you see make plays. Darius Prince and Sam Castronova connecting like crazy. Markel Wade continuing his progress from last year. You know, Dwayne Hollis as well. And then, of course, Nick Hag and Trayvon Shorts anchoring down that defense along Brand Cisse. I mean, you know? look look at that defense. Um, that That was like a championship game effort again, you know, to hold a team to what 30 points uh, arena, you know, 33 in arena, arenas. Right. And you know, you're talking, what is that less than six, seven points a game or mm-hmm. around, around seven points a quarter, a little eight points a quarter. Um, that's almost ridiculous in arena football. Now we're seeing all this positive stuff about Albany, which is well-deserved. Um, you know, obviously the receivers, the defense, uh, I think Haig had two sacks. Um, Brandon uh, Cisse put pressure on all day from the middle. Uh, Cornelius Lewis and Hardy on the, uh, you know, uh, playing the tight end and guard, blocking exceptionally well. Holland's in the middle at center. Harvey, all those guys. I thought they all did. Across the board, you'd be hard-pressed to give a game ball if you were in the locker room. Mm-hmm. That being said, the polar opposite for Orlando, unfortunately. Okay, Um, you know, I love Herky. Uh, I've said it on on your show before, and and I truly feel for him at this point because um, we've all had seasons like this if you coach long enough. I've had a one in 13 season before, you know, Um, you have them that it just it's it's going to happen if you coach long enough. Um, You try to just make them one instead of a bunch of them, but they're going to happen right now. If they don't fix, you know, if they don't fix what's broke, um, it's going to be hard pressed to win a game. It's going to really be hard to win a game. And um, I think that you need an experienced quarterback. Um, We had brought Hess in Albany. He's a great kid, great story, uh, great measurables. Um, I just thought he needed another year when we released him. I thought he needed to get seasoned in indoor football a little bit. Um, I don't think you're going to get seasoned when you're getting your ass kicked every play, you know, with the defense on top of you and throwing you around like a rag doll. Um, so I think that there's a lot of places that need to get fixed there, but number one would probably be culture. They've got to bring in people that want to compete and play their ass off and do what's necessary to win a football game they've got to i just it's gonna be hard for me i think not only for that but you know to me i hope i'm hoping and i I imagine they are talking about this already that the transaction wire i expect orlando has to be soon that you guys start seeing some new talent flux in because now now without jack sheehan being there i mean again joseph hess that was a surprise seeing him 
trot out being the starting quarterback because we were expecting all right jack jack was the silver lining against fayetteville you know if they were right. able to play a second half then this is a competitive team but now you got an unexperienced duo of qbs that say oh ugh, now we got a and a defense that doesn't seem to as we talked last week is like a wet paper towel that's that's a recipe for disaster right there. well yeah and and i just don't you know again i love nate and john down there the owners i i think they're great people and i you know and herky and his guys i can't you know without being there i can't i'm, I'm not going to speak on behalf of anybody but part of being in this league is you got to know you got to be self-aware you got to self-scout your team coach where and i used to self-scout us every monday and we'd say how would we have beaten us on saturday and we'll sit down and we'll break us down and we'll say oh man we weren't very good here or we got to get better here or we need to be better here and then we'd look at the transactions and we'd make some phone calls and we'd keep our board going that if we had to could we bring in somebody if we can't fix what's broke i just don't think you can say well this is my roster i'm gonna live with it and hopefully everything goes well I don't think that's fair to your coach. I don't think that's fair to your players and the other guys that are on the team. I think now's the time when it's early. Now, keep in mind this, right? This is the other scary part. They only played 12 games. Right. You're not going to get those two games back. Those are, those are, you're not going to get them back where you can say, ah, oh, well, we can, you know, we can change our course by improving our win loss ratio down the road. No, you only got 10 left now. And, and you got to fix them. And I think they can. And I've always said this. I, I, there's Good Lord, man. I'd love to be able to recruit down in Florida. Could you imagine? You know, just open up my back door and go, okay, I want you, 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 you. I'd be at Florida, Florida State. I'd be at every college campus and say, hey, I don't need the All-American. I need the second team All-American. Come with me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just think that you have this surplus of unbelievable talent. Um, you know, we talk about Eddie Brown. That's where Eddie Brown's from, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, there, there's, there's this unbelievable talent pool down there, and I just don't see it translating on the field. I just do not see it, and um, it's unfortunate because I love those guys. And I love the Preds. I do. I always said this. My dream season was Albany and Orlando in the championship game because, obviously. Um, my affection for the ownership in Orlando, you know, uh, but it ain't happening this year. Not like this, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we let's go on a little bit of bright. I know in the, with the 70, 33 butt kicking that was this past week, and you, there's really not a lot of bright spots to look at. But one thing I do like about Orlando is that we see the arrival of Prince Chinola. Uh He was uh, basically kind of a no-show last, last week. He became the number one receiver. One thing that Zach mentioned in, in last uh, last week on game day is that Orlando needs to give Lonnie Outlaw the ball more. It started in the first half where Lonnie was getting his catches and the offense looked pretty good. I'm like, okay, they have a chance. And I remember texting you, Coach, saying Orlando needs to play their A game and hopefully Albany plays their – Seagling game, and there might have a chance in this game, and that clearly didn't happen. No, and, coach, and, he, coach, I don't mean to jump in, but you you know this, like Lonnie in twenty twenty one. That was that was Columbus's guy, and you you saw this in the championship. He I was recruited Lonnie. I recruited Lonnie. 
Okay. That's how much I think of Lonnie. Okay. I recruited Lonnie. I think Lonnie's not healthy. I think that he had an ankle going into this game. And I just don't see how you, you don't go to outlaw, you know, in the second half. I, how do you not just lean on your stars? How do you not lean on guys that have been there and done it before, you know? And and you're right, Shinola did great. I mean, he had, he he can't. It was his basically his coming out party, right? But again, we're talking about two football players, mm-hmm. okay, on a 21 man active game roster, right? And that's what I've been preaching for two years to this league is it's not, I got five great guys or I got four great guys. You got to have 15, 18 great guys. And, and, you know, I'm talking warriors and then a couple soldiers to mix in with them, but you just, you can't, you can't rely on two or three guys to make all the plays, mm-hmm. you know, and that poor Whoa. kid, that quarterback was running for his life. You know, oh, yes. <laughs> speaking of two guys who actually did well was Sam Castronova for 229 yards, six total touchdown, and the GOAT himself, Darius Prince, nine receptions for 151 yards passing the touchdown. Give me those two guys any game. Come on. I, I, well, I'm, yeah, but again, again, I'll say this, and I love I I love Sam and Darius that they had great games and kudos, fantastic. You're not doing that without Hardy and Cornelius Lewis and Brandon Cisse mm-hmm. and Nick Hag, and I can go on and on and on. Now, it could have even been worse because there were a couple errant throws early um, by Sam that were in the end zone and could have been scores. Now, ultimately, we ended up scoring anyway because I think they scored on every single possession they had the ball which gets me back to my point about defensive stops, win games. Okay. So they scored every single time they had the ball, uh, except at the end and the clock ran out. So the, the, the whole point being that, you know, until teams really cultivate a pool to surround your talent with, um, and, and again, I changed subjects, but those two errant throws, and you could tell, um, excited first game that Albany mm-hmm. played this year. They're going to get better. As scary as that sounds, they're going to get better. And That's they're going to get better every week. And um, if someone's going to play them, they just better bring a, one hell of a game plan and, uh, you know, pray for rain because uh, it's it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> it's not. The only- the only is this, dome is this open rain, air? <laughs> I was gonna say the only dome that actually rains is in LA. Yeah, that's- <laughs> right. And that's why it would be one hell of a prayer. Yes, no, but it's it. The, the thing about it is, is that you talk about, um, you know, I know there's a lot of noise going around now about other things of with the Albany Empire, but mm-hmm. and I, I've tried to put out there, I'm good. Everybody's good. The players are good. The football's great. Everything else will catch up to football because that's how we built the Albany way. The Albany way wasn't started in the front office. The Albany way was started on the football field by the players and coaches. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was cultivating a winning philosophy that, that no matter what happens, we're never out of it. We're always going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys, uh, man, I'll tell you what, it, it's going to get scarier than you can imagine down the road because 
I don't think anyone's really going to have a way of figuring things out. Now, interesting, we just saw Mark there kick the deuce. He had three, um, which, again, I talked about having a great kicker. Yeah. Mark's no longer with him as of right yes. now. Yes. So Mark has gone on to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the CFL, and uh, they just recently signed a new kicker. I think by the time the show airs, it'll probably be public anyway. But the thing about it is that that's an integral part of Albany's game. Now, I can tell you what Coach Ware's doing. Coach Ware's going to bring in the best possible kicker that he knows is going to meet the needs of the team. But trust me, if that kicker isn't the right guy, that kicker will be there one week and they'll fix it. And that's the difference is that when we had a problem, we would address it right away and fix it. We wouldn't wait two or three weeks or two or three losses and then fix it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's critical. Can't kick. You're going to get, I think maybe get a check of this. Can't kick out of bounds though. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I think that was genius myself. <laughs> you know, for one season, you know, no, last year it worked. That's yeah, all you got to say. It works, right? We, it got a cheap, we got a cheap shot on our kicker. He breaks his leg, right? I've got no kicker. God love that kid we brought in, that poor kid. Coach, I can kick it. No, you can't. Don't even try. Just kick it over there in the third row. But, Coach, you, you, you know, I can kick it there. I can kick it. And I said, no, no. And then one time he kicked it, he, he defied me. And he kicked it inbounds, and Rashad ran it back to like three or something. <laughs> and he came, he's walking over and he's not looking at me. And I'm just, I got my hands out like for his neck, right? <laughs> and he goes, I, I know I screwed up. And I said, Yeah, you screwed up. Don't ever do that again, or I'm going to have uh, Brandon Cissé kicking off. Yeah. So it was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> If you guys well, only knew half the stories, man, they go on down there. <laughs> <laughs> Arena football, if there's one thing we know, it is uh the, the stories of itself. You can make a TV, you can make a TV show out of the, out of leagues like this, I swear. <laughs> I no, swear. you'd have to sell it as fiction because no one would believe it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> the stories do come out, but it's only about five percent of the story that right. makes it on the message boards right and that's usually the loudest of the five percent and 95 percent of it's not out in the public which is actually the truth you know what I, I i never could figure this out right um i could never figure out why people with so little knowledge of a situation are the first to voice their opinion right and then the people who know we kind of sit back and we chuckle at it until it gets out of hand and then we try to diffuse it right but it can i mean it's like wildfire you kind of wonder don't these people have jobs i mean it's crazy well because... it, it's the arena community it's it's just not this league it's oh no it's, <laughs> no it's it's the nfl community it's the usfl community it's the xfl community it's you you're gonna get a segment of every group right mm -hmm. that that just feels good about saying bad stuff it's like Adam Schefter. Like he broke Tom Brady news weeks before it was supposed to be official. And right. then he got pretty much axed and he had right. no connections and he hasn't recovered since. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I, I think I can say this openly is that um, over the course of my career, not just in the NAL, but my whole career is that I've always had great relationship with the media 
And one of the things about the media is because I don't have a filter. They love me, right? Because I'll just say it and then I'll apologize later if I have to, but it just usually comes out. It's not a flattering compliment, trust me. Okay, so, but with that in mind is that I'll always have off-the-record conversations with people. So it doesn't have to be a bad thing, though. It's not about bashing someone because you go off the record. It can be a good thing that you want to go off the record on. You know, so I'll say to people all the time, you know, if, if you want to talk off the record, I'll talk to you. And then I'll give them my feelings on something. If you want to go on the record, I'm giving you nothing but fact and you're getting nothing out of the story. You know, and that's the thing is that Coach Ware and I used to always say this together. You, if a player comes in and says, I think we ought to do this, we would always say, great, put it on the board and show us. I want to see fact. I don't want to hear what you think. I want to see fact why it will work. So we're a, we're not opinion guys. We're fact guys. We want to hear your thesis that. and your argument is what you know something like that. It's the truth, though. I mean, mm-hmm. you you look at them, and that's kind of what we were talking about with these teams. Is that I guarantee you? Well, I, I can't guarantee you, but I can say this: I know for a fact in Albany for the last two years. We self-scouted every week. So while other teams are game planning for us, we would spend one day of just figuring out how to beat us. So it's sometimes more important to not worry about what the other guy's doing. Have them prepare for what you're doing, right? right. In a sense, is that if you if all, if all you're worried about is what they're going to do, you're never going to figure it out. I mean, you're going to get some tendencies and you're going to get some things, but you're never, ever going to know when he's going to call a play. You're never, ever going to know if he changes his mind. It's it's a human element to it, right? So self-scout. And that's what we would do at nauseum. We would come up with scenarios. In the Jacksonville game, in the championship game, or the playoff game last year, we literally practiced that scenario on Thursday. 47 seconds left. Here's what we got to do. Blah, blah, blah. Where's on the field? I'm on the bench. I get on the headset with where I go. Did you look at the clock? He goes, I know eerie, isn't it? He goes, we're going to win this thing. And I said, yep. And we did. And it played out exactly the way we ran at practice because again, it's prepping for yourself, not prepping necessarily just worried about the other guy until you fix what's in your house. that's broken. It doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't, you know, and I think that's a key part of it right now is that Jacksonville could be a solid number two, no ifs, ands, or buts. They don't have macro changes. They have micro changes they got to make, right? Mm-hmm. San Antonio, same deal. They could hold on to two and flirt with one micro changes, not macro changes. Orlando, macro changes. West Texas, macro changes. You know, they have to make – just because you were close in a game doesn't mean you fixed your problem. You still lost or you won, whatever the mm-hmm. case may be, right? You still have to fix yourselves all year long. And you don't stop fixing it after the first two games. You're fixing it in the playoffs. And I don't know if they do that yet. Still, it's amazing. Still early in the season, but you know, it's you don't fix it now, man. Right, right, right. Exactly. It's prime time. Do it now. You got the samplers. 
Now it's time to be ready for the entree. The the muck group, right? The muck. The muck. That's what we call it. The muck. I like that. Okay, the muck. All right. You're 0-4 in this league this year. It's a runaway. Yeah, sayonara. sayonara. It's not going to be as close as people think it's going to be. There's going to be the four and then the other three. You know, I think I think it's more be the the top three, then you're gonna have four and five close to each other, and six yeah. and seven are gonna be so far behind. You're probably right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I really would because I, and that's the thing though is San Antonio couldn't be in a better position. Why? They only played twelve games this year, and they're two and zero. That's a great spot to be in. I'm just happy to have bye weeks this year. <laughs> we went 14 games nice. another bye week last year. Dumbest thing I've got, ever seen anybody do. We have too many buys. We got like three or four. No, San Antonio has four. We have three. So yeah, there's so many bye weeks. But see, look at Orlando. Doesn't Orlando have like five? Yeah, yes, because the 12 game. But mm-hmm. with the benefit about San Antonio, if they do get in the playoffs, let's say they get the two seed, they technically have a buy because their last bye week is week six of uh, week 15. So they'll have a week off then go in the playoffs. That'd be, that's a, for their 12 games, for them oh, they starting 2-0. The they get the best schedule. Yeah, starting 2-0. and That's what I'm saying. San Antonio couldn't be in a better position mm-hmm. right now than they're in. Now, who does San Antonio have next? Off. Oh, they're yeah. Albany. They're at Albany. No, yeah, they're in, right. That. That's sorry. our game of the week this week. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're at Albany this week. They're going to get beat. And then they're going to end up being two and one. Albany be two and two, sole position of first place, and they won't give it up the rest of the year. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll mark we'll mark you down in our picks. Hey, I can't say because <laughs> every time I say something anti Albany, especially there was a certain coach to show up north that kept patching <laughs> me every weekend. So, like I said in preseason, yeah, he was gone, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, but hey, but give me credit, man. Gotta defend your guys. So we'll you know that was always no. nice to hear you that know, side of that too. That's the fun part of the banter that people enjoyed. I know the Albany fans loved it, right? They they got a big kick out of it and and the drinking game. And I every I go someplace and someone will say Jacksonville, and they're holding up a beer, you know, or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it that that part of it. I'm a miss those people. They were great. Uh Capital Region was fantastic. Can I take a minute and just say yes. thank you to them? Well, mm-hmm. okay. Go ahead. So I, I haven't had a chance to – I've done it in writing a few times, but I haven't had a real chance to say thank you to the people of the Capital Region and the city of Albany. Um, I've already said my thank yous to the team. They know how I feel about them. I love them to death. I love my players. I love Coach Ware. I love uh, Coach Custer and the guys that are there, Paul and James, helping out in the coaching. And But I never got a chance to say thank you to the fans and the – just the people that live in the Albany area and the capital region. Thank you for making my family feel so welcome. And um, the hardest part of all of this, aside from not getting the opportunity to get you that three-peat myself, is knowing it's in good hands. So I'm good with that with Coach Ware. Um, but not getting a chance to say thank you personally. Um, right. You've been great to my family. Um, you always made us feel welcome. And uh, I'll never forget you for that. And I'll always have a spot in my heart for you. So we're glad we get to, we're glad we get to have you on here for that. And again, glad to get to talk to you again. Like I said, like I said, we always love having you on the show. You know that. 
you know it's yeah it's sure but these are some of our favorite conversations <laughs> that's not i see you 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 put that sarcastic card but we're we're we talk about this on show too we're like yeah Coach hey. Manas jumps on. We're like, we can't miss this talk. We have to be ready to go. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> you know, there's a certain there's a certain uh, team broadcaster down in San Antonio that thinks Manas should be the John Madden of the NAL and be on the show permanently. Right now, I'll tell you this. Uh, my, here's my plans. Um, I'm being my agent. God love him. He's keeping busy right now. We've taken a lot of phone calls and talking to some people, but I'm going to be very, very picky in my next job selection <laughs> where I go. And uh, uh, I, so I got turkey hunting season opens up, spring turkeys opens up Saturday. Mm -hmm. But all I'm doing is, and this may sound odd, but I think I told you in the pre-show, I'm watching film. I watch film. I break down film. I uh, get an opportunity to work on my craft, try to become a better coach. Um, and I'm going to continue to do that until, you know, I hang my shingle at the next job, you know, but uh, anytime you need uh, an old cranky guy on your show, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be, you'll be one text or call away. We know that for a fact. So uh, for folks on here, you might want to be prepared for a little bit more Tom and Oss later on in the year, because we'll be hitting him up. If he's watching film, he's going to be keeping, keeping himself razor sharp. So we'll uh, get the here. And he's been keeping up with the league too. Of course, as we, you can clearly see, he's not done watching arena football. So he'll get no, to see sir. his guys and his team. You know, it's still Damon Ware coaching. That's his good buddy. He's going to be keeping yeah, up. That's with that my brother. Year. That's my brother. Yeah. And support, you know, and that's the biggest thing. I've gotten so many kind words from the fans, but when you see Coach Ware up and down the sidelines, grab him and give him a hug and tell him you love him. You did that for me, and I want you to do that for him. He's a great guy. I hope I, I, hope I can get I hope I can get one more chance to go to Capital Region to say hi. <laughs> hi I mean, at least to him now. At least to well, you will. When's too. the championship game this year? <laughs> Hey, I'm not shaving the playoff beard. I told you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's already there, baby. So Save we're good. It for Christmas, throw on a Santa's cap. I'm there you go. I'll do it. <laughs> hey, I may, I may need to to make a living by then if I don't have something like up. Tom so. Kringle in the house. <laughs> yep, you bet. You bet. Sure. Jim, any parting words before we uh, wrap up and whisk ourselves away to a uh, preview show down the line? Uh, good week of football. Uh, this week two was less chaotic than it was last year's week two. Uh, Iron Man rule has not been the issue. So we're every, every team's getting excited. Now it's up to week three, and I want to see what Fayetteville is and going up against a like, team of Jacksonville. And I want to see, again, if San Antonio is good enough to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Albany or is Albany, again, the Albany way. <laughs> so there are only two games next week, and we'll have uh, – this is the game of the week, San Antonio at Albany. We will have a, a special guest. Um, I already have two people lined up. Uh, they both texted me literally in, during the show. Uh, I will think we may side with one. Uh, I mentioned them a couple times in the show. So uh, we'll have a special guest from the Albany Empire to preview uh, the game of the week, uh, San Antonio and – Albany. Awesome. Okay. That'd be great. Well, read between the lines. You'll hear from us soon enough. Anyone watching or listening, by the way. And seriously, you if you haven't checked out the, the video version that we do on YouTube, you might want to do that. Like I said, that 
me chuckling randomly. That's not just me doing that because I'm a psychopath. It's because I'm laughing at you guys <laughs> on the ca camera. So be sure to go over, hit the subscribe button, click the bell. Uh, as a good buddy of mine on my other show for the USFL says, it builds morale. Uh, and then follow us on at InWallsPod for more content from us. Uh, great graphics from Jim, by the way, as well, because he'll show, throw those up. Uh, coverage during games and many and many other things. If you want to follow all things true arena football. So Love it. Stay tuned. And, and great job, guys. And highlights. <laughs> Until then, guys, we'll catch you on the next one. Episode 96 around the corner. Week three of the NALs around the corner. See you then. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.